This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. Can we please talk about the name of the movie? Okay. We know it's 13 Ghosts. Fine. But it's T-H-I-R-1-3-E-N. I get that they're trying to be clever by putting the 13 in there. But if I go back to the 90s and I take a 1 and a 3, that's like a B. So it's like <laughs> Thurbin. Like, what are they trying to do? It was just they somebody wanted to force that in there so badly and it got through. Do you have thoughts on this? I mean, it it's not the first time. Have you seen seven? I was going to say he was taking a page out of, you know, good old Dave Fincher's book with seven here. And also, have you seen Megan? No, (laughs) because the E is a three. Okay, but that's okay. All right, I'll take a three to an E. That's okay, but I'm really having a hard time with a one and a three. Fibteen? You don't like Fibteen ghosts? No, it's just, it's like, why would you take something so iconic as this movie and just dumb it down with this 13 jammed in the middle? Jason, you say iconic, and I assume that's because you've seen the original, because this is a remake. Somebody thought, hey, this movie needs to be done again. Mm-hmm. In my style, and here is what it is. And in two thousand the original, which was a very specific time for film. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. And actually, when you first brought this up to me, I, I didn't remember what this movie was. Did a quick search, found the original, and was stoked. I was like, "Yes, let's do this." It's like nineteen thirty-two or something. <laughs> Awful. Just looked like exactly right at my alley. And you're like, "No, no, no." It's this one. And I was like, oh, okay. This is going to be a much different watching experience for me. Because you like older stuff. Yes, absolutely. You like do. any, if you go to like any app store and find like those shady apps that are called like classics, but it's like got an X in it instead, where it's just like a bunch of free films that they slam into an app. That's my jam right there. All of that, like 30s, 40s, 50s sci-fi. Yes, please. This was yet another movie that I had not seen prior to this season. It's a recurring theme. I <laughs> genuinely thought that this movie was a different Steve Beck movie, just Ghost Ship. So I went into this movie thinking that we were going to watch Ghost Ship (laughs) and then found out that this had nothing to do with ships. (laughs) Okay, now I feel further let down because I didn't get to watch a Ghost Ship movie. (laughs) This movie was released on Blu-ray with Ghost Ship, like as a double feature because I don't know why. I'm going to guess it's because both were so shitty that they had to package them together to make a sale. (laughs) So I can see the confusion. It only used up like 3% of a Blu-ray. We got to put something else on there, like anything. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry to have let you down. Steve Beck, the director, 
has only directed two movies, which is this one that we're talking about today on the podcast, 13 or Thurban, Ghosts, and Ghost Ship. So, I mean, it's the Steve Beck double feature Blu-ray. It makes sense. (laughs) It totally makes sense. Why wouldn't you buy it? You're losing money by not buying it. I mean, that's handy for him. He can carry around his whole catalog in his pocket on one disc. So that's that's pretty handy. <laughs> so did you actually start watching Ghost Ship? Me? No, I did not. Yeah, no. you. Oh, okay. I thought that would have been I knew great. it was 13 Ghosts. <laughs> I, I saw that it was 13 Ghosts. I looked it up, saw that it had Matthew Lillard in it, and said, all right, Let's press play. And then when it started, I was like, oh, this is not the one with the ghost ship, which I think ghost ship has a pretty iconic opening, which I'm not going to waste too much time talking about here. But this one was so bad. I mean, it wasn't maybe the worst movie we've watched for this season, but it's definitely down there. This is the worst movie you've watched this season, and we're only in April. This may be the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score that we have. This one has an What about 18... Jason X? Ooh. Well, <laughs> Jason X may have crept up a little bit just based on, like, the cult factor because people love the based on our podcast episode based on our deep deep love of space horror in jason it may have crept up a little bit but let's let's check that out jason x this one has an 18 percent on rotten tomatoes (laughs) jason x no it's 19 it's better it's better than this movie jason x is better than 13 ghosts I Guys. might agree with that. Ooh, controversial <laughs> take. <laughs> oh, coming out hot early. Well, I mean, Jason X, he gets the, it's a bump because it has Jason in it. So it's going to automatically be mm-hmm. at least a, a 10%, right? And then I just, I'm pretty sure that the graph did bump up when you all released the episode. That probably took it to 19 easily i think it was at six or something and then yeah we stepped in and saved it from itself (laughs) i think that anything that's got a franchise behind it is going to have like a little boost and then anything that's a remake like this one is like gonna have like automatic demerits Mm. like there's no way that like a remake a horror remake especially is going to be like held in high regard it's like really really hard for a horror remake to like recoup any like points on rotten tomatoes even suspiria like the suspiria remake that we talked about a couple seasons back we loved and thought was great and like that one did not have stellar rotten tomatoes ratings i like that so much more than the original i know you and i you picked the original and i like the remake but i mean that that shows based on our expertise just how for grabs that was this movie had so many people in it to that we recognized let's talk let's talk about this cast we have um monk himself tony shaloub in this tony oh i wrote him down as the guy from wings yes i grew up on wings (laughs) i saw him and i was like oh wings be the wings guy yeah yeah I was really curious if he had been in any other horror movies or if this was like a one-off for him. And he was in 1408 as well. I've seen Mm -hmm. that. 
but it was such a long time ago. But yes. That one was like a blink and you miss it kind of horror movie. I don't think it yeah. had much like cultural resonance to it. No. Of um, but not. yeah, neither did not this. The, not the only <laughs> But we're talking about it here today nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> We already mentioned Matthew Lillard, but gotta mention him again because he truly carried this movie, in my opinion. I got excited when I saw him pop in because I just finished watching Hackers again recently from like 1995 or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's him. Okay, this this might be okay. He's like a staple of every 40-year-old's childhood. Mm. He was just there all the time. Scream and what was I don't know. He's in a bunch of, I can't remember the names now because they all blur together, but like teen rom-coms and Scooby-Doo. He was in Twin Twin Peaks, The Return, season three. Really? So good. He was. Yeah, he was great in that. I think he was in a recent show too, like The Dropout, that Hulu show about Theranos. I'm pretty sure he was in that. He was in a show. I don't know, guys. Um, <laughs> Just look him up. He was in something recently. He was pretty good. He's pretty good in whatever it was he was in. I've been watching so many true crimes. Shannon Elizabeth is another 90s staple. Yep. And I haven't really seen her since. Mm-mm. Shannon Elizabeth was in just so many like B, C, and D horror movies in the 90s. I didn't even realize. I mean, I think of her so strongly what? from Scary Movie, mm. of course. Um, but she was also in things like cursed and night of the demons and of course this movie i love that she's just got this like back catalog of like terrible horror movies you know what's funny about that kate is i think of her as like a teen heartthrob like she was in a bunch of teen movies she was in love actually had a cameo Mm -hmm. but i did not realize she was in all these horror movies because i haven't seen them (laughs) It felt like she was supposed to be in this movie. I I was not surprised to see her. Like it just felt like, yep, this is the kind of movie that I feel like she's going to be in. So, not surprised. Okay, F. Murray Abraham should not have been in this movie. He's too good for this movie, <laughs> and he's currently having an a, an Abrahamisance. <laughs> Abrahamisance. <laughs> I'm gonna find he's, him on Twitter and let him know. He's in the White Lotus. <laughs> He's in the White Lotus, and he was—he's also in Mythic Quest, which is a new Apple show. Hmm. And he's okay. doing a good job. He's—I I love this guy so much. I just don't know why he's in this movie. He—I know him from the Wes Anderson stuff. He was in Grand Budapest Hotel, and he's done a bunch of voice acting, um, Isle of Dogs, and most recently Moon Knight, the MCU. TV show. So he is not an actor I would have been able to name before this movie, though. He's like one of those what? Like, omnipresent character actors. I know. It's one of those. Like he's like everywhere. And I would have been like, yeah, that guy, that old guy who's in everything. <laughs> I'm like, Amadeus guy. <laughs> I oh, love That's because you're an Amadeus super fan. <laughs> I know. I just now I didn't even realize that it was the same guy from Mythic Quest CW like it he doesn't look the same to me in this movie well clearly he's much younger but now that I know that I wish I would have known that going in because I would have loved him even more and yes he does not deserve to be in this movie he's been done wrong I think they lied to him when they approached him about this film 
They just showed him a different script. Mm-hmm. They showed him Ghost Ship, and he was like, hell yeah, Ghost Ship. And then they were like, oh, actually, we meant 13 Ghosts. Sorry, we got confused. <laughs> and also, they're on a double feature. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, damn it. That was so close. yet so far. You know, this movie cost a lot of money to look you know, as bad as it did. It was a $42 million budget. Okay, but they had Greg Nicotero on special effects. And we know Greg Nicotero from many, many things like Day of the Dead and Walking Dead, which is a really big deal. If you go look at his Wikipedia, it's it's so long. Like he's been this special effects artist makeup person for a long time in the horror genre and even outside of it and i'm like if that's where the money went i'm happy because i fucking (laughs) love the special effects in this movie i will say the ghosts look incredible they've got a real like nice hellraiser style to all of them they're super gory there's a lot of like practical effects to the ghosts they're very like physically present love that I think my critique is actually with the editing I didn't like the quick edit cuts between things it was that like very like late 90s early 2000s like like saw quick (laughs) cut saw shaky cam we see it all the time in these movies it doesn't have the like blue gray tint at least but like it has all of the other like camera and cut effects that I don't love um, from this era yeah, I think that the quick cuts were, it, it was obviously meant to make it scarier, but it sort of just made it less scary for me because it was almost like, wait, did I did I just see a ghost? Oh, probably not. All right. I guess that was just yet another <laughs> glass wall that I saw. Okay. <laughs> Kate, should we get a quick summary of the plot so that we can talk about some of these issues with the movie? <laughs> issues. Yeah. All right, Jason, this is the thing that happens literally every single episode is that I know I am supposed to do this plot summary and I literally never prepare for it. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> I thought for half a okay. second you're going to be like, now our new thing is that anytime we have a guest, they have to do it. <laughs> oh, Jason, do you want to do the Actually, summary for me? That would be really funny. Jason, I want your like one minute summary of this movie and then Kate will do it. That's great. Thanks, Jason. Jason who is here from Hemispheric Views, another podcast that you should all listen to, is our guest today. All right, Thurban Ghosts, here you go. So what happened was there's this rich guy. He's got way more money than he has sense, and he thinks, you know what? I've done it all. There's really nothing left for me. What can I do? probably go ghost hunting and try to like open up a portal to hell because that's what all rich people try to do at the end of the day so he gathers up his his gang of friends and cons a few people and lies to them to get them to help to capture these ghosts in giant glass boxes because everyone knows ghosts can't get out of a glass box that's just common knowledge so he finds this old book it's not the necronomicon but like it kind of is but close enough so he's reading through and he's got all the different ghosts he has to find. But spoiler, he also has to get another ghost that's actually someone else's mom who's like the most normal ghost of all the ghosts. So he gets all these ghosts, gathers them up in their little boxes, brings them to a different place, 
builds a giant house out of these boxes because he doesn't actually live there, but he felt that it needed to be like a shrine and it had to have this giant, overly complex, overly engineered gear that is used to drill down into hell and open up the door. So he gathers all the ghosts and then tricks people yet again into thinking that he's a ghost, but he's not a ghost to try to get someone to kill themselves to be the 13th ghost. That is why it's called Thurban Ghosts. Is that, is that right. a fair summary? I, I think it's great. I think that's a great summary. Okay. The only thing I that I'm going to add to this summary, no, is that we have this family at the centerpiece that is sure. trapped in this house. Mm-hmm. We have a widowed father uh, and his two children in his nanny, question mark? Nanny? Lover? <laughs> Who knows? Trapped in this house with a ghost whisperer character who are simultaneously, <laughs> I don't think lover, um, who are trying to fight against these ghosts while trying to escape from this house at the same time. Uh, but that's that's the plot. That's the thrust of this plot. And I think that this plot is really, as I mentioned, born on the back of Matthew Lillard's character. And he is our key kind of ghost whisperer, psychic type character. And so I want to get into the two types of ghost hunters we have in this movie, because we've got Matthew Lillard. And then at the very beginning, we're introduced to two other types of, you know, ghost hunters uh, sponsored by Cyrus, the wealthy ghost magnet. What did you think of Dennis, Matthew Lillard's character? Oh, I I feel I was a little bit confused actually about him because I don't feel like we really got enough about why he is the way he is. It's just sort of thrust upon us like he's magical. If you touch him, he'll see the future and the past all at the same time. But he has some magical pills that somehow like take the edge off. And he's clearly super driven by money and nothing else. I get the impression things didn't go super well for him throughout life. So he's like, screw it. I'm going to use my magical powers. This guy's going to pay me a boatload of money to tell him where these ghosts are. I don't really care. I get a bunch of money. So he just, it felt a little flat. I felt like we could have really got into him. Like he could have been his own thing, but it was sort of just brushed over like, yeah, he's magical or whatever. And like, don't worry about it. And then we went on. So I, I felt like we we could have we could have gone deeper with him. Me coming into this movie, seeing Matthew Lillard as part of this movie, I was like, okay, he's a trope. He's like this guy who does a thing and we all laugh at it because he's Matthew Lillard. I mean, that's just kind of that's been my experience with Matthew Lillard. I have this list of notes that I took about him where I'm I'm just making notes about what he's doing and like my questioning of his character like oh he's creeping through the house he's the electrical guy like he's not trustworthy or he's in the junkyard talking to these ghosts like what is up with him and then at some point I write down it's kind of sad that he can't be touched I guess he's never known love <laughs> 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 and then he suddenly gains sympathy. And I was like, this is a great character. 
<laughs> I feel so bad for him. <laughs> and then he ends up saving Tony Shaloub. And I'm like, yeah, what's not to love? Matthew Lillard's a great guy in this movie. I love him. He's great. Wow, you went full 180 on this one. Jeez. I've seen this movie so many times, Jason. Wait, okay, hold on. I so many love times. this movie. <laughs> wow. We will get to that, folks. But okay. yes, right now it's good to in- good to know that I do, in fact, love this 18% on Rotten Tomatoes movie. <laughs> I think that the character Dennis has some like super great one-liners. He's obviously like so funny. I loved that Matthew Lillard seems to be like aware of how campy this movie is. And so he just goes like full like humor in on the role. Whereas like F Murray Abraham and Tony Shalhoub are kind of playing it a little more straight in some ways. Um, And I think that, because they're good actors at this point in his career could probably tell like what kind of movie he was in though and like really like leaned into it so I did appreciate that I thought that it was an interesting comparison and like I don't know if there's much more than like a superficial reading on this but the fact that Dennis is a ghost hunter character who has these natural talents towards um being a psychic having this tactile response to seeing things and visions versus Kalina and Cyrus who have to use tools to see ghosts mm. right they have to use those special glasses and goggles to see ghosts they have like spell books and special flares and they have to use like man-made materials to see ghosts versus Dennis who's like actually a good person who just is like born like this as far as we can tell is he a good person because jason's right he's in this i mean he sacrifices money. himself we got a character arc though oh, we do this is you true can't, you can't deny a character arc it's true <laughs> what's kalina's character arc the fact that she is like making out with this old rich man kalina starts as this woman who's like you can't do this ghosts have rights and she's like looking out for her partner in the junkyard right she's like somebody help me he's dying and turns into this person who's just like "Ooh, i'm gonna have sex with this guy in the glass house and that's my life now like where did that twist come from i hated it that was maybe my least favorite part of this so pissed it made no not, sense. Not good. No. Which made me only think it wasn't a twist that was like this the whole time and she's just been lying since the very beginning. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I think that it was just so m- messy. Like, I think that the most characterization we got from Kalina was in the opening junkyard scene. And it just like felt like there was no payoff to her twist. It was just like, oh, now we have another antagonist with no reason. Like, what is Kalina getting out of this? Obviously nothing. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like how she was like Tomb Raider, powerful person, and then all of a sudden it's just like completely subservient to this dickhead. And it's like, wait, what? why? Like, what was the point? It didn't really... Yeah, I agree, Kate. It was just like, okay. You just felt like you needed another twist, I guess. There was some twist quota we had to hit. Maybe he had a lot of girth 
I don't know. Like, what is up? Like, why is this guy so special? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I mean, okay, so we can talk about you where the clitoris in his wallet, sits clearly. and <laughs> where girth <laughs> has an effect. But she makes no sense because she's not fighting a fight for money or fame or anything like that. She's fighting based on her morals. She's fighting for ghost rights based on her morality and gives it all up at the end for Dick is all I can think of. Like, I guess he has money, but it's all in this dumb house. (laughs) (laughs) The right, the writing, the writing around her drives me bonkers because just even a throwaway line of dialogue, like if she had said, and now with the power of these ghosts, I can join you yeah. to see the past and the future. Even like a Something single, dumb. Line, single line of dialogue would have been like enough to be like, okay, she's also a power hungry maniac. But because we don't even get that, it just like really takes the wind out of your sails in like the last you know, John to this movie. Yeah, it would have built the story around Cyrus better too, around, okay, you open the thing, now what? Oh, you're all powerful and she wants to be associated with somebody that's all powerful or whatever. Like she mm-hmm. wanted to be the demon yeah, queen. Like acolytes. Whatever. Yeah. But no. Yeah. No, but no. I mean, something when I was reading about this movie, because like people love this movie. It's totally one of those things where like, there's a lot like Megan freaking loves this movie. <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. At least three people like this movie. <laughs> At least three. Two of which are Megan under different um, names on IMDb leaving the reviews. Oh my gosh. She's just like totally spiking the reviews. <laughs> 10 out of five. Um, oh man, I lost my chance. <laughs> 10 out of five. Megan two. Um. Yeah, that'll trick them. <laughs> They'll never know. <laughs> I know, we haven't had 14 ghosts yet. What the heck? Where's the sequel, guys? Stephen Beck went back to his visual arts stuff, which is what he started in. He did his two movies, and he was like, that's it for me. He got pummeled by the critics enough. Yeah, this movie will do it. On the topic of Cyrus, why is Cyrus always a bad name? Is is that, have, have you Cyrus that? the virus. Yeah, every time Cyrus comes up, it's always terrible. Like, no one good is named Cyrus. It's true. I'm sure someone will list, like, 500 people in movies or whatever, but I feel like every time I see that name, you're like, villain, easy, bad guy. done. Yeah, and he rolls up in, like, a 1930s Rolls Royce when everyone else is in, like, an Escalade. You're like, come on, dude, you're laying it on a little thick. He should have rolled up in a ghost ship. It would have really helped tie the double feature together. <laughs> He's just steering a ship through a junkyard, and you're like, what? Yeah. All right, I'm oh, here for it. Really quickly, the junkyard. I have to ask, what did you guys think about the bait? Uh, the, I, it's the, the truck. The truck. It's, a, it's like a big truck, the, like the gasoline Kool-Aid truck. truck. Yeah, it's just shooting of, Kool-Aid like, everywhere. Shooting- why do they care about blood? I had that as a question in my notes. I'm like, why do ghosts care about blood? They're not vampires. Yeah, okay, so it's like this ghost at the beginning, oh, this movie, speak back, <laughs> call me, we'll talk. But like this movie, we start, the first ghost we see 
is the juggernaut. The most powerful of all the... There's no ramp. Where is the ramp, Steve Beck? Like, you come out of the gate with, like, a Mack truck full of blood to, like, pull out the juggernaut? Like, why didn't you start with, like... The weird, like, grown baby man and his mom, and then like ramp up from oh. there. Way cooler. Like, I don't like. I mean, and just even from the like, don't start with your like ace and then like work your way down on the other ghosts. Like, I wanted like with the juggernaut being supposedly like the most powerful ghost. Like, why start with that one? It just feels like bad horror movie, like trope to like start with your like big one also it's just a truck like when he says the bait and it's like this big scene and everyone's scared and Matthew Lillard's like I forget what he says something along the lines of oh shit and it's just this truck full of blood and I was like I don't know if this is supposed to be scary or funny because I get why a truck full of blood would be scary but also look at it it looks fucking stupid. It's just a water truck, and the yes. blood was so clearly like food coloring water. Like, it's like thin. yeah, it was yeah. super. It, it was should just be like, coagulated. It's like what? So and gross. no one even did anything about the blood either. Like it's not like anything went toward it. It was just like yeah, that happened. Good thing we had all this caution tape up around the cars, also for some reason. Yeah, I was curious about the caution tape. Um, Megan had told me that she rewatched the opening scene like five times, no. and I was like, "Oh, there's gonna be something that I missed," nope. and so I was like, "I'm gonna pay so much attention," and then I was like, "This is just a movie. Like, it's not even like complicated." No. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> yes, I went into this rewatching high because I was like, "I've seen this movie a million times." A and B, this movie is so much better high because then I'm like focusing on the ghosts, right? But so I went much in. More sense now. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't high when I was a little kid, but side note. Okay. Back to what I was saying. I was trying really hard to understand the story. Like, what is happening here? What is like, why is he even in this junkyard? Why is he even in this junkyard? It makes no sense. But I had to go back and rewatch because like, oh, he's in this junkyard because this is where the juggernaut has hid his bodies. Like, okay, I get that now. It took me a minute. Like, I had to go back. There wasn't nine. There was 40 or whatever he said. (laughs) Yeah, there are so many bodies in this junkyard. Also, uh, F. Murray Abraham I don't know what his actual name is in this movie, but he's been killing long bottom. Thanks. He's been killing his own guys this whole intro. And I'm like, who's going to work for this guy ever again? (laughs) Like, Obviously, Kalina. Kalina thinks that she's going to get out of this Scott dummy. So dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Counts for a lot. Does does um quickly on the on the junkyard? One of the very first things I noticed was like, okay, a truck goes through a standard as hell chain link fence, and there were no less than forty billion sparks that shot out of that. I was like, wow, that was exciting <laughs> for in the fact that that would literally do nothing in real life. And then later, they're just sparks after sparks after sparks in this movie. They're just like. We've got budget for sparks of that 42 million. 
28 million of it was on Sparks. Sparks. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I agree. All Sparks. Crazy. All Sparks all the time. Like wooden bat against glass. Sparks. What? Okay. <laughs> Excellent segue into the house. The house is like the centerpiece of this movie. Can we please talk about this giant glass monstrosity? Monstrosity? This house is the inheritance. It's supposed to be a big it. deal. And everyone's happy about it because everyone's going to get their own oh bathroom. Woo! Sell this house. What are you doing? Can you imagine? Okay. Can you imagine living in a house where not only are, are all of the walls glass, but the floor oh. is also glass? How do you have sex? Floor, no. How do you have sex? This is my first, the first thing that jumps into my head is how do you have sex in this house? house? Same way. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a scene Except where- there's she... terrifying ghosts trying to murder you. <laughs> well, there's also that. <laughs> there's ghosts But there's everywhere. a scene and you see overhead, Stan and Elizabeth going into the bathroom and being obsessed yes. with like the tub faucet for some reason. Yeah, what was that? You see her- Oh my god, has she never seen indoor plumbing I, before? Like do you think that like <laughs> Yeah, I don't get it. I don't make excuses for this part of the movie. But like you see can see underneath her, there's a floor beneath her. She if if let's say this is a bathroom, right? Everyone's going to know when she's going to go take a shit. Everyone's going to know based on her walking in there and also how long she spends <laughs> I don't want to be in this house. Well, okay. So practical privacy concerns aside, I really hated just like the aesthetic of the house where it's just like random arcane tchotchkes like everywhere. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's like get every era and like every different like geographical like artifact in this house and then we're also going to have like a four poster bed in one room with like a very like mid 90s bedspread on it and then we're going to have like a very like 80s looking room. and i was like what is happening here you have so much money and zero taste like it just killed me like how ugly this house was they literally went to the prop department and they're like one of everything just put it yes. in the house <laughs> Um, can I quickly um, help Megan out with something, though? So in your previous thing mm -hmm. about the glass and the hearing, uh, you're actually fine because I think you've failed to remember ectobar glass. Can't hear through it. Good to go. I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down. Ectobar glass. Ectobar I love glass. this ecto shit happening mm -hmm. all over the place. Yeah. So you're fine. You're good to ectobar, go. Ectobar, ectoplasm, but but you can still ecto see through the floors, and that's oh. what would bother me. Okay. <laughs> as a resident of this weird house, you just need to come up with some new spells to write on the floor, and you should be. It's fine. true. It's true. <laughs> and this cartoon house key is like, how did that work? How did that right? let them into anything? That was wild. I think I wrote something to the effect of like people get mad at like HomeKit locks not working. It's like this thing takes 45 minutes to open before you can even go inside. It's wild. And how are you going to get a duplicate key? You got one key. Everybody's got to travel together now. This is yeah. not efficient. It's a terrible house. I hate this house. I would not <laughs> live in this house. And Shannon is just like in love. Like she's she so shallow about this house and okay 
aside from the we let's I, we don't have to get into the weird relationship she has with her father I, for a minute i thought they were married the first time i watched this but she's like this house is too small or you know her where she was living with her dad like maybe we would get along better if our house was bigger <laughs> it's like this girl does not know how to save money or be poor or whatever like fuck read her the, read the room yeah <laughs> like <laughs> read the room of 2022 and Gosh. 2023 i didn't understand the logistics around how if their original huge beautiful house burned down did they not have homeowners Don't insurance have like to? wouldn't they have been able to buy like another house or something like instead they were in this like weirdly small like apartment where they had to like share bedrooms, bathrooms, whatever, which is why Shannon Elizabeth is obsessed with the plumbing in this new house. But also they hired like a nanny, like a full-time nanny to live with them in this like tiny little apartment. I was like, what is happening with your financial situation? This is why you guys like as a family have no inheritance left besides this house. (laughs) The only thing I could come up with for this, and here's my backstory, is... Father, house burns down, loses wife, goes into deep, horrific depression hole because there's like that panning shot of past due bill, past due bill, something, you know, hasn't been paid. And I think he just like shut down. And so he was basically providing nothing and everyone else was trying to contribute. And that's why this they were trying to like help him out. And they're like, we'll do what we can. And this is the best we can do kind of a situation, maybe. I don't know. It could be a stretch. Or alternatively, the movie is 13 Ghosts and we are not meant to care. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I think it might be that one. I will say I didn't hate the like sadness montage after the mom died. What? Like it it fell a little heavy handed, but I was like, at least we know what's going on with this family. I wrote that down as like the worst piece of acting I've ever seen in my entire life. And then at the very end, at the very end, they do it again. They do it again. I know. I love it. Okay. So like, I think that like for like this caliber of movie, like lower your expectations a little bit for like this caliber of movie, I was like. They needed to tell us some plot information and short of Tony Shalhoub standing in front of the camera saying, I've been very, very sad since my wife burned up in an accident. (laughs) They needed to give us this montage. (laughs) That 360 spin, though, was pretty creative. Was it not? It started with like everything's fine and then we do a 360 and then everything's burned and dead. Like That was... That was mildly creative, I thought. Yeah, <laughs> it was clever. That's how I felt too. I was like, I was like, this is clever, and like, it's heavy-handed, but not as heavy-handed as they could have been given the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I... Megan, I <laughs> love that you hate it so much. <laughs> the one part she hates, we're like, that was actually quite quality cinema that we had right there, and she's like, that was garbage. <laughs> like. <laughs> At least Kate and I agree. The beginning and the end of this movie, I'm like, this is garbage. And I will put money on the fact that it's based on this montage that they feature in the beginning 
and then again at the end. Two quick things on the house. First question for both of you. Given the budget of this film, this house to me either looked super, super cheap or ridiculously over budget and probably over time building the damn thing because of all the complex stuff. I know there's a lot of CG in there, but a lot of it was practical in terms of the mechanics. So I'm curious if you thought it looked really cheap or really expensive and what you actually thought it was. It's a great question. I think that given the etching in all of that glass and the mechanics of, you know, having like the the way the glass like doors open and closed and all of that, I feel like it probably would have been very expensive. Like it seems like a very expensive kind of closed set that they built for this movie. Kate, I'm going to go opposite of you. Great. And based off of Saw, number one, (laughs) not any of the sequels. In Saw, we saw, in Saw, we saw, (laughs) oh my God, that wall in Danny Glover's apartment of articles, news articles. And I, I don't know if you remember, but I looked into like, what did the article say? I did a bunch of freeze frames and looked up the text to see if they were real articles or just bullshit. They, they were bullshit. They were bullshit written over and over with different headlines or with different portions of the same article showing. So I'm betting that this same thing went into effect in this movie. Like they probably had a few walls that worked, you know, opening and closing. The Latin was probably repetitive or it was probably like, I'm going to underguess now and say like 10 doors, 10, 10 wall panes <laughs> that they recycled over and over. And also we see this with license plates because, you know, I follow license plates and license plates get reused in movies. Like if there's a ton of license plates being seen in movies and shows, they'll reuse the same one that they've gotten approval for already mm. just on a different car. So I'm guessing that this was probably expensive to etch the walls and to make the big sets that were like big rooms and plus that big sundial floor which I loved Mm. but I bet it was very repetitive okay fair enough would it blow your mind then Megan to learn (laughs) that this movie had more than three miles worth of etched glass in it holy shit that surprises me it was hand built by the crew and um, the production designer did etchings on a plastic overlay that was stuck onto the glass but it was actually once constructed more than three miles worth of of glass on a closed set fuck yeah (laughs) and then they blew it all up (laughs) that A makes me more appreciative of this movie and B is like why the fuck did they spend all this money on this bullshit they could have easily repeated nobody was checking the Latin 
it blows my mind how you get these like schlocky D-list like style movies and you find out that there was like this beleaguered production designer that like put blood, sweat and tears into like their part of it. They're like, oh, you're going to give me $10 million for the set. You're going to get the best goddamn set you've ever seen. Like, I don't care what the script is. I don't care who you cast. Like you are getting a house made of glass. You're getting three miles of fucking glass. That's what you're getting. Holy shit, that is why I would not have guessed that. I it makes me more happy that it was made at this time too. Then because any later, this would have been a hundred percent CG and just green screened everything. And I think it would have been so much lamer. It would have been mm-hmm. somehow less than eighteen percent tomatoes. I think if it were all CG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, thanks for that tidbit, because now I love this movie even more, and I'm going to suggest it to everybody. <laughs> Very last house thing is that they did the thing that almost no movie ever does, and upon receiving this gift, they said, I can't even afford the taxes on this place. It was like, oh, they actually acknowledged <gasps> the tax burden. Thank you. Yes. Agreed. I gave Tony Shalhoub props in my notes for that. <laughs> I love how it made his character like so lived in. He's like, I am in so much debt. (laughs) Please do not saddle me with this gift horse. It needs a lot of veterinary work. Like he was so concerned. I would have sold this house in a second. Like, fuck this house. I don't want to live in this house. It's weird. I know. I know. I would have been like, okay, just hire an estate lawyer sell all of the cursed artifacts in this house and then sell the house like just get rid of it somebody would have bought it there's some weirdo out Mm -hmm. there that would have loved this place of course cyrus Mm, true cyrus was a weirdo he He wasn't even dead Mm. so with our special guest this episode we have two special segments our first segment is related to the 13 ghosts that we see in this movie so if you like megan had the dvd of 13 ghosts you may have seen the behind the scenes feature that showed the backstory for each of these ghosts but if you just watched the movie like a normal person then you would have no context for the background of any of these ghosts so dear audience we are assuming that you like Jason and I have not watched that backstory and we are going to come up with a backstory for a random ghost for each of us. I am I can't a- believe you had a DVD sneak preview into the lives of the ghosts. So <laughs> I feel so so lost. I had to come up with my own creative names for each of the ghosts. So just so you know, Jason, I am notoriously bad at remembering things. Oh, same. And I know I watched hmm. the backstory like years and years ago when I had a DVD player because I haven't had a DVD player in at least 10 years, yeah. at least. So I couldn't tell you the backstories of these guys. And I was watching the movie and I was remembering like, oh, there's all these backstories. Like, that's why I love the ghost so much. And and you're watching it and you're like, oh, wait. They don't actually tell you anything. The ghosts just look cool in different ways. So don't worry. Okay. I'm just as clueless as both of you. And uh, 
this should be a lot of fun. Kate, did you give each ghost their their own name as you were watching? I was trying to keep notes and saying like, hey, ghost one is this person, ghost two. Or did you just say like, I'm not that invested in this. I'm not going to really bother. I had exactly three titles for the ghosts. I had Naked Lady Ghost. Okay. Dead Mom Ghost. Okay. And then all of the others were Hellraiser Ghosts. Okay. All right. That makes sense. <laughs> so I would say I'm in the latter category. I was, it was not in the business of tracking each individual ghost, which now that we have this segment, I deeply regret. Hmm. So I can give you, I can <laughs> give you all my that. names if you want, or you can cut them out, of course. I'm going to see what random ghost I'm okay. assigned. Sure. Megan has a, Ooh, random yes, ghost wheel. generator tool yeah. that she will use to assign us our ghost. And so based on the name of the ghost, I'm going to okay. go off with our with our story. So I think, should we lay some ground rules for what should be included in the Let's backstory? Let's set some rules down because putting people on their toes is always fun. Mm. All right. I want a little bit of backstory. Mm-hmm. Who was this ghost when they were alive? Mm. And I want to know how they died and i want to know what is their haunting style Mm. yeah anything else before they were captured in this house before they were captured Hmm. okay this is pre pre thurban ghosts day in the life okay so i'm gonna spin the ghost randomizer and we're each gonna get a ghost and we will come back after a short break to tell our ghostly stories I like to think that you actually have a ghost randomizer. That just feels very on brand. (laughs) All right, Jason, since you're the guest, you're going to get the first ghost on the list. And that is the that is the juggernaut. I I span it and you ended up with the juggernaut. That's our last guy. You have the most ghostly interaction with him in this movie, I'm pretty sure. So you can use that to your advantage. I don't know. He was not a lot of not a lot of airtime, but okay. Kate, you get the angry princess. <laughs> She's the girl with all the slit wrists who should yeah. have killed Elizabeth Shannon when she got the chance. Yeah, naked lady. I had her as my special call-out ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the pilgrimess who I oh. wrote down the least about. She's like this old lady stuck in the stockyard. Yeah. And... I got to write a backstory for her. So let's take a really quick break and we will be back with our backstories. Okay. And we are back from our break. Who is going to go first? Obviously, I can go first. I can set the bar pretty low. (laughs) I had the pilgrimess. That was the woman with her head in one of those what do they call them? Like uh, stocks, the stockyard. Stocks, or, yeah, yeah. stockade, yeah. Yeah. And we really don't see a lot of her. And my whole time watching this movie, I'm like, is she even a threat? Like, do we care what this woman's doing? But here's her story. Obviously, mm-hmm. we should all recognize this. She was mistaken for a witch because she lived in a time when witchcraft was quote unquote prevalent and she needed to get in line and behave. She was definitely in cahoots with the Lord or whatever you called it at the time. The mayor, I don't know, mayor of like Witchtown, whatever it was back in the day. 
having sex with him, have a nice affair. Like she gets to take part in the city politics and Ooh. lay some ground rules until one day doesn't go the way the Lord of the town wants. Maybe his wife is privy to what's going on in her husband's life. And he is like, hey, that's a witch. We need to lock her up. She dies of starvation in the stocks. Terrible. Awful. And when she haunts people, it comes in the form of nightmares. Starves to death in stocks. Not good. Fucking gnarly. I love it. Horrible. Yeah, that's why that's she's so angry. Yeah, yeah that's she's hangry. Fun. She's just like, I just want food. I don't want to even kill anyone. I just want a damn meal. There's no food in this house. Someone take her some McDonald's. She- Maybe that's the way to stave her off is to bring her some food. Yeah, we can throw that in too. Why not? <laughs> she did seem like the least threatening though because it was like, well, she's she's already bound and there's yeah. not really a lot of like latitude for her to get around. <laughs> so if you go down a thin hallway, you sort of won. Right. <laughs> Her and also the uh, the prom queen who's like hung herself. I'm mm-hmm. like, why am I worried about her? She's just a little scary looking at, but she's not gonna hurt me. And you only saw her for like four seconds. It was like, I like that about the torso. Yeah, like, where I was like, are we really are we worried about the torso? Saran, <laughs> like, saran wrap guy or like, the torso? Yeah, <sighs> I want to hold him and make him feel better. <laughs> You just felt bad for him. It's like not only is he all in pieces, he's got to be wrapped in saran wrap. Like, that doesn't breathe. I, I was like hoping a little bit that I would get the torso because then it would have just been like a Twin Peaks like fanfic writing session for me. So, oh, well, say Levine. I want to hear what Jason's ghost went through. Okay. So I'm now realizing I'm hoping the juggernaut was the guy that I wrote down in my notes and I'm not going to describe the wrong one. So here we go. So old John Mahoney lived with his wife and 13 children. One day on the farm, after being kicked in the head by a horse, he suffered brain damage and that made him a murderer, but he didn't remember that he was murdering. He got away with 567 murders through dumb luck. When the police finally caught up with him, they shot him 194 times, and the bullets didn't seem to penetrate his body, and he eventually just died of boredom. Oh my god, I love it. And his haunting (laughs) style is to walk behind you at no more than two miles an hour until you give up, fall down, and he crushes you with his bare hands. Oh god. Yep. That's, That's old bullet wound Mahoney. Oh my god! I love how many like specific numbers were in that. <laughs> it's really all in Wikipedia. Numbers. <laughs> it matches well with the name Juggernaut. If if you're gonna be named the Juggernaut, you need to have some pretty. You need to have some pretty big numbers. Mm-hmm. Kate, what do you got? All right, I had the Angry Princess, aka Naked Lady with cuts all over. While alive in the yellow 90s of the turn of the 20th century, she spent her days spending money and currying favor with socialites and foreign dignitaries. She was known for her lascivious and licentious behavior, leading to a Matahari reputation. While seducing a diplomat from France to blackmail him to the McKinley administration to secure an estate in upstate New York, she was attacked with razor blades by a gang of spurned lovers and left for dead naked in the hotel bathtub. Her haunting style, 
the nasty pop-up. When someone is doing their bathroom habits, they look in the mirror, see just themselves, bend over to spit out their toothpaste, and look back up and see her in the mirror behind them. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're so good at this. Oh. It's almost like you're a writer. (laughs) We went from bad to good. (laughs) No, Megan, I loved yours. Oh my gosh. I'm sure the real ghost stories, if I remembered them, would not be as good as ours. I think ours were pretty great (laughs) and full of love. (laughs) The jackal is the one ghost where I'm like, I don't fucking know where I would go with that guy. Guy, girl, I don't even know. The head in the cage. Just a saw trap. in the cage. Yeah. And why was it opened outward? I didn't understand what, like, what was the cage? How did that even happen? I'm just imagining they took this person, put their head in a cage, and threw them in the water and watched them drown with their head in a cage. Like, I don't know how else to make sense of it. I don't know why. I thought that it was, like, it reminded me of, like, an old school bird cage. And, like, yeah, like, totally mafia, right? Like, Mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is fun. Okay, let's do a million more. Did you guys have a favorite ghost? Ooh, favorite? Um, being totally subjective, I absolutely hated the man baby and his weird mom. <gasps> oh my! So creepy. That was the worst one. Absolutely, I called that one giant baby man with tiny baby mommy. Yes. Because it was just Terrible. like and the gross. You could have so much gore and blood and everything in this movie, and then it was just like this gross, like pukey stuff. And it was like, okay, that's the grossest thing in this entire movie. Ugh. What was your favorite though, Kate? That, that's your least favorite. What's your like? This is the best ghost. Mm. I wish this one would chase me. Oh, wish that I would be chased by one in order to survive. Probably the torso. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, to- in terms of like total subjectivity, like. Um, I feel like, yeah, I felt like I picked the worst ghost of the weird man baby and his mom is like the worst ones because they're the most like affecting in terms mm. of scariest for me. Um, I felt like the railroad spike ghost was probably the scariest one. Yes. Yeah. The hammer. That's who I also, yeah, yeah, thought was the scariest was the hammer. Yeah. He's got the best special effects. And then he also just looks the scariest. Like he's, he's not like this small guy who's been spiked to death with railroad spikes. (laughs) He's also a buff guy who's been spiked to death with railroad spikes. So he must've been pretty scary in his real life. Seeing him like, pull like oh. some of the spikes out of his body was pretty nasty too oh, God. Yeah. yeah I was least afraid of the prom queen because I was like the torso guy can't come after me I don't know what he would do but he could move prom queen can't she's hanging like what do I care what she's doing I, I didn't quite understand what was scary about that one other than hearing her sudden shrieks randomly was she actually hanging or was she just floating? I, didn't, I couldn't tell if she was attached to something or just sort of 
floating around. I don't know. I don't know if it mattered. Fair. <laughs> I don't know if it mattered in this movie. I don't know if it Both. Okay. <laughs> floating in hung. Got it. Perfect. We had another segment we wanted to dive into. Why do people like bad movies? This movie was 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not a good movie, right? We can we can all agree that it was not a good movie. I mean, other than Even the 360 me. remorseful scene, no, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad movie. And we have to ask the question, why do people like bad movies? They come out all the time. Black Panther was nominated for best movie. Doesn't make any sense, but we still like these movies. Why? <laughs> Me laying some of my own opinions in there. <laughs> I have so many opinions on this. So I think that there's like a few categories of bad movies. There are ones that are intentionally bad. And I think almost feel like this one falls into the intentionally bad because of how like campy Matthew Lillard's performances the like editing style like they're not going for like auteur cinema right like they're going for like popcorn flick here the other type of bad movie is the unintentionally bad movie where they are going for like good cinema and they just totally miss the mark and so it lets the audience like laugh with and at the movies so you're like either like in on the joke with the director or you're like laughing at the director or like the film in total yeah i think you're spot on there's there i tend to be more on the side of the movies that are bad unintentionally or the ones that i tend to like not so much the ones that are meant to be bad and i think a lot of that does come from they really thought they were doing like the best movie ever and it was just not good. It, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't have the right actors. Just so many different variables. I'm sure we're in that recipe for just making something that was truly awful. But yet at the same time, you have to believe that they probably thought it was really good still, even after it happened. So I, I think we like them partially well it kind of goes back to like dmst 3k type stuff right where there's a whole thing built around trash movies and sort of interjecting your own self into them and i, I think that's what i like most about these old crappy movies is i don't want to go into a pristine theater in total silence and enjoy the film i want to talk over it i want to interject my own lines into it and make funny comments or what i perceive to be funny comments anyway depending on who's with me um, but I think that's where some of that becomes a part of you, where you almost feel like you're in the movie at that point and you're allowed to be there versus a really quote unquote good movie, pick a whatever movie you want, where you want to just detach yourself from it and like enjoy it and not interrupt it. So I think that's kind of a little bit of a difference there for me anyway. I have to tag on to that. I am constantly talking during movies now because I'm so used to taking notes during them. And I'm always apologizing. Oh, Zach, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to talk. Like, I'm messing up the movie for you. It doesn't matter. Like, this is one of those movies where it's like, you could talk over it for days. Nobody cares. And I think that's part of what I like about it. Kate, you brought up that there are 7 p.m. movies and there are 9 p.m. movies. 
I think this is like an 11 p.m. movie where you don't even bother with the popcorn. You don't bother with trying to understand the movie like in a 7 p.m. movie. You just watch it and maybe you fall asleep during it. <laughs> you probably get high during it. Like this movie means nothing to you. It's just bad. And I think that that's like a critical component of intentionally bad movies is the entertainment factor. Like it's okay that there are some plot holes. It's okay that the writing's not super tight because it should at a minimum never be boring. Like it needs to be like zippy and like interesting visual effects, maybe not like perfect visual effects, but there should be something like entertaining for the eye to lock onto and like a momentum that takes you to the end. Because I think that like there's the entertaining bad movies and then there's just like the bad bad movies and for me if a movie is boring that is like the worst kind of movie to watch this movie is not boring like it's very engaging it's so like mind-bogglingly like stupid sometimes but like it's very fun and so I think that it at least keeps your interest from start to finish and it was only 90 minutes which I think was critical if this were two hours Ooh, that would have been big, like 12% tomatoes at that point. But the 90 minutes was just like, you're in, you're out. What happened? Don't know. Don't care. It's fine. That's very important to Kate and I, that movies are short. That horror movies are short. Mm -hmm. Near and dear to our hearts on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I got to know, what are your guys' favorite terrible movies? I will start. My favorite terrible movie has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) 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 And I was like genuinely surprised that people dunked on it so hard. But I kind of feel like people do that. Like when a movie comes out, it's like fun to shit on it. And so then everyone just like piles on. And this movie was 2005's. Aeon Flux with Charlize Theron. Okay. Do you guys remember? Kate, I still want to watch this movie. I've never seen it. I was like, I should watch this. Okay, here we go. All right. So I was a total weeb teenager. I loved the Aeon Flux anime that was out. And this movie, people hated it because it has like almost nothing to do with the source material. It is like one of those like western remakes where they kept like the character names but like changed the plot they even changed like character attributes like there was nothing about it and so if you like look at it from that criteria this movie sucks but it was just like a fun (laughs) dumb schlocky like sci-fi action which like i love sci-fi action movies sci-fi action movie from the early 2000s Charlize theron is super hot in it like it's great it's a fun movie I think it's also around 90 minutes. Like, I think that just because of the source material discrepancy, people like wanted to write it off. But Mm. if you just don't even think about the source material, it's fine. 9%. It has a 9%. Yeah. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) But already, it it sounds far better than half as good as 13 Ghosts, I have to say. So (laughs) we'll see. I haven't watched it. Bite your tongue. Since I was. 14 years old Mm. so 
I am never going to watch this movie again because I would want to remember it mm-hmm. with that nostalgic lens. And I'm not going to do what Megan does where Megan like ruins all of her nostalgia by like putting movies onto this podcast. Oh. Um, and so I'm just like not going to go back. That makes sense. <laughs> You know, remember it for what it was, all the good parts, exactly. all the parts you repressed. Forget about that. We're I'm going to leave it back on. in 2005 where it belongs. <laughs> that, like so many things, we should all do that. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, I have to hear your worst movie. Okay. Um, can I, I have a small, small rant, first of all. Um, this whole tomato meter thing, first of all. Who's doing this? Who's doing these tomatoes? Because frankly, they're mostly wrong all the time. And I just don't understand because I was going in looking at the tomato meter. I had right out of the gate when I heard about this, I was like, all right, boom, here's like three. They're guaranteed to be like 2% tomatoes at best. And I go and look at the first one. And it's like 67. Like how? how how is this piece of garbage 67 when this 13 ghost thing was 18 this rating scale makes no sense so that's my first question is who's checking these tomatoers is what i want to know okay i'm glad you asked that because kate and i are actively trying to become tomato meter (laughs) critics this year like that is one of our goals for this podcast is we would like to do it and so as a podcast, the stipulations are you, you need to have regular output. Um, you need to have engagement with viewers in social media. So Check. Twitter, Instagram, we're there. Done. You need to have at least 200 ratings on the Apple Store. Hmm. We do not have that yet. And you need to put out content four times a month. And we are not quite there yet. Hmm. So that is who is rating your movies, okay. <laughs> at least from a podcast perspective. Um, there are there are specific guidelines, and we will share this on our blog if you guys would like to become a tomato meter critic. Um, there are specific guidelines that one must meet to be part of this critique guild. Okay. I don't always agree with them, but I would like for Kate and I to be able to fight the good fight and put in our optimal opinions about movies in this scoring (laughs) but i don't know jason it's just a bunch of bozos like kate and i i would feel much better if the two of you were rating these tomatoes frankly so i look forward to that then i will maybe start believing this tomato system a little bit more right now questionable so my the movies I ended up going with actually have no tomato rating whatsoever because no one could even be bothered to watch them We'll just call it zero. (laughs) It's just a dash dash for the tomato number. So I figured it's not a rating, but if no one even wants to rate it, that seems pretty bad. So the movie I ended up picking, and I have one honorable mention, if you will allow it, but I will go with The Brain That Wouldn't Die, which is a terrible movie, I believe from 19... 35 or something like that. My sister loves this movie. Yeah, it's awful. But I love it. It's so good. So quick synopsis. uh, Mad scientist-y kind of guy in the car with his, uh, I think, fiance, maybe wife. I forget which. Car accident. Her head comes off like perfectly clean, of course. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to take this head back and keep it alive because that's what you do as a normal person. 
And oh, by the way, I already have like a body that's still alive in a closet that's scary. So I'll just try to put the two together and you can imagine what happens. She gets telepathic powers, starts killing. It's amazing. So that's the brain that wouldn't die. And uh, my wife, Valerie, would be so upset if I didn't mention the movie that shall not be named in our home. And that is The Transatlantic Tunnel from 1945, I believe. Maybe 50, I forget. It's been dubbed as the worst movie ever to be made. What? By people in our home. I won't name names. Oh, wow. It wasn't, the cats. It wasn't me. <laughs> it was not Cookie and it was not Kiwi. So I will leave that up to you. Her initials are Valerie. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Transatlantic Tunnel. I highly recommend everyone jump right out yes. and get on that one. I'm a huge fan of How Did This Get Made and Mystery Science Theater 3000. I love watching movies for the sole purpose of making fun of them. Mm -hmm. So I cannot wait to watch this one. You're going to love it. <laughs> you might want to be high well, for that one too. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll do it. I volunteer. I think it's probably, it's probably advisable. Well, I was going to say I have you guys beat, but since Jason doesn't even have a tomato meter rating, I guess I don't. But my favorite bad movie is Battlefield Earth oh. from the year oh. 2000, which has a tomato meter reading of 3%. <laughs> wow. Okay. But sh okay. This is what I mean by like people decide that they don't like a movie. And then everyone jumps on the hate train and it just like brings the average ratings so far down. Probably. But it was never very good. Like Battlefield Earth has never been a decent movie. It's never been above an F. Like never. So it used to be probably like 18%, like 13 goes. And then the people you're talking about probably came out of the woodwork and brought it down even lower to where it truly belongs, which is 3%. There's definitely some piling and on with this stuff, right? I mean, it has to be. It's got to be. If you, if you had to rate it without being able to see what it currently was, surely that would change things a little bit. I want to bring up the like audience meter. Right. Because there's the tomato meter, which is, you know, by authorized critics or whatnot. It's usually substantially lower than the audience meter. And this is very unscientific, but I looked up 13 Ghosts on Reddit to see what people of our movies and our horror thought of 13 Ghosts. People fucking love this movie. Like, it is incredible. Like, I feel like there are so many posts, especially on our horror, where people are like, hey, does anyone remember this Matthew Lillard movie called 13 Ghosts? And then the top comment is always like, yes, fuck, we talk about this every week. Like, where are Megan? you? <laughs> it's always just all me. <laughs> that posted from Megan. Has anyone ever heard of this movie, 13 Ghosts? <laughs> I don't know why I like it so much. I love that I love the special effects. That's a definite yes. Like I love the ghosts and I love the design of the house, like the dial in the middle and the house itself is dumb. I don't want to live there, but looking at it as it's visually a prop intriguing. is very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. And I like 
and it's got part of the plot literally built into its design. Like there's Latin everywhere and it changes formations and it's just a cool idea for a movie. It's just that the movie sucked. Yeah. And we don't, you know, we, we've gotten into that already, but. And there was Gummy Bear Guy just, too. We didn't talk about Gummy Bear Guy. Gummy Bear Guy. With the, when he, when he got. Oh, the cross section guy. Yeah. Yes. Oh. I called him the suit. Oh yeah. He looked, he looked like, <laughs> yeah. a, like a gummy Moss. bear. Yeah. Yes. Moss. That was right? so yeah. cool. That was pretty wild. Yeah. Probably my favorite death in this movie. I was not expecting them to. Too soon. You know sliver him in half i mean that's one of the things about this movie that i loved i you know the story has its problems but once you get past the beginning and avoid the ending it's like oh cool it's just a movie with like this weird house and a bunch of equally weird ghosts like and the special effects and the the gruesomeness factor is dialed up i love it like that's all i need i like horror movies i don't care (laughs) I'll go first because everyone knows how I feel about this movie, but we've got to get everybody's take and whether or not they would recommend this and who they would recommend this movie to. I am me. I love this 18% movie. I'm recommending it to everybody because it's very low stakes and the story isn't really that important, but you're going to see some cool special effects and some cool ghosts. And that's all you need to know. It's a, it's a, like a B movie tops. Go see it. It's fun. That's my take on this movie. Would I recommend this movie? I you guys are like nobody. In very particular circumstances, this would be a fun movie. I think if you're hanging out with a bunch of friends, you're having drinks, you're smoking some weed, like. Yeah, it's fun. It's a very fun background movie. I think it would actually be a great, like, bar movie. Like, you know how, if like, some, like, divey type bars will just, like, have movies on silent in the background, like, while they're playing, like, music or whatever? I would love to be at a bar, like, drinking beer while 13 Ghosts is playing on the TV in the background. That sounds like a great time. That's how I recommend you watch this movie. That sounds like an NQD meetup to me. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> we should do it. What about you, Jason? Are you a convert? Do you love 13 Ghosts? Is it your new favorite bad movie? I mean, it's my favorite movie titled 13 Ghosts with a 13 in the middle of 13. I'll say that. Thurbin. Thurbin. I love 15. me some Thurbin, Thurbin. Ghosts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie, I was going into it expecting to not want to finish it. I was thinking this was going to be like homework slash punishment that had been placed upon me. Got through it. I think it was overall fine. I'd give it a fine. You know, it's like not great. It's not the worst thing. There's things less than 18%. Um, what I think this yeah, movie- Yeah, like Battlefield Earth. Like Battlefield Earth. If I had to walk, pick between the two, Thurban Ghosts every time. So the perfect- place for this movie i think is a halloween movie marathon where this is just one of the things in the playlist that's going during like a large halloween party type scenario where you just got horror movie after horror movie playing this just happens to be in there maybe you caught some of it maybe you didn't it doesn't matter everyone's high or drunk anyway it's all good 
So I think that's where this fits in the most. Would I actually go out and admit to people that they should watch this based on my recommendation? Probably not. Yeah, don't sully your reputation with 13 ghosts. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> There's Battlefield Earth for that. <laughs> yeah, I go and recommend that to everybody I know. Kate, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> don't worry. I'll buy it. I'll send it to you. You're good. <laughs> Jason, it was so fun having you on our show. Thrilled to be here. I love, I love what you both do, and I was super excited to be invited to to join you all for especially for this movie i'm sure there could have been a worse one so i'll just say that i i, I made it out alive kate and i notoriously love jason x mm. so just be happy it wasn't that because <laughs> that's really bad i don't is, is that the one that's the space one right jason yeah. in space yeah okay <laughs> well jason do you have anything that you would like to plug before we sign off Okay, yeah, I do a show. It's called Hemispheric Views. It's like, um, God, how do I even describe it? Do you do you have a hard time describing like what what it is you all do? Because I never, I'm just like, yeah, it's a podcast, and they're like, what does that mean? Oh man, I'm usually like, I watch horror movies, and then we talk about them. Oh, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> that's but what I say. <laughs> what it does, what it does, what's on the tin. Okay, well, we're like, a, I would call it like tech adjacent podcast. I would not say it's like a technology podcast. I do it with two friends from Australia. Um, it's Hemispheric Views because we tr we do like 45 minutes or so every other week about kind of hemispheric differences between technology, food, culture, slang, all that kind of stuff, really just under the guise of having a good time and making people laugh. Um, it's We've been doing it for about three years now. We've built a pretty cool community of people like all over the world at this point. So we have like a Discord where everybody hangs out. We've got a special members thing for for bonus stuff throughout the year and it's just a fun place to hang out and kind of learn about what's going on in the rest of the world when we're so siloed to our own country most of the time so yeah give it a give it a go if you want um and that's that hemispheric views well we are so happy to have you on the podcast for this episode and we are also stoked for our next episode coming out which is winnie the pooh <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? Winnie the Pooh? This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at notquitedeadpodcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching. <laughs>